Welcome to Views from the North, a Canadian rates and macro podcast. This week, Darren Campbell joins me from BMO's rate sales desk. This week's episode is titled Playing Catch Up. I'm Ben Reitzis, and welcome to Views from the North. Each episode, I will be joined by members of BMO's FIC sales and trading desk to bring you perspectives on the Canadian rates market and the macro economy. We strive to keep this show as interactive as possible by responding directly to questions submitted by our listeners and clients. We value your feedback, so please don't hesitate to reach out with any topics you'd like to hear about. I can be found on Bloomberg or via email at benjamin.reitzes at bmo.com. That's benjamin.reitzes at bmo.com. Your input is valued and greatly appreciated. The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of BMO Capital Markets, its affiliates, or subsidiaries. Hi, Darren. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining me again. Cheers, Ben. Thanks a lot for inviting me back. Uh, so next week, we get the Bank of Canada. Uh, April 13th, we'll get the policy announcement. Uh, and it is, uh, I guess, hotly anticipated. We could get the first 50 basis point rate hike since 2000. So 22-year gap, almost exactly. I think it was May 2000 was the last one. So it, it, it's been a while. Inflation still rampant. So the bank might also pull the trigger on quantitative tightening. Uh, so the little bit there, lots to talk about on that front. Uh, and, and beyond that, um, let's talk about our, oh, your views uh, on, on the curve. I think that that's a big topic. And, and we can also uh, touch a little bit on Canada-US. But uh, let's, let's start with the Bank of Canada with, again, the policy announcement coming next week. Uh, how, how, how do you view the setup to this? Is, is 50 basis points a slam dunk at this point? Uh, are there any odds of them going 25? Like, is that even remote possibility? And on QT, uh, what what are your thoughts there? So I think 50's done. I think that the you know the minutes today now more or less confirm that there's cover <clears throat> to go 50. I think that's um, that's the way the market's set up. I think that they, I think that they're sensitive to um, some of the volatility they've created since last October, and so. With the market more or less expecting it, I, I, I fully expect that they they deliver fifty next week. Um, you know, as far as the curve goes, it it feels like it. Well, for the time being, plays second fiddle to to the U.S. and in the way that um, the market's interpreting um, the communication from Brainard and the minutes and and everything else. So, um, but. Having said that, next week will you know potentially lead to a bit more of a, a Canadian narrative, and in fact, uh, the budget tomorrow as well in Canada could actually lead to some uh, you know to 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 a to a Canadian narrative. So, I think at this point in time, the curve generally is a function of um, I guess QT expectations. Now, I, th- I think that uh, for the up until now, what's been driving it is obviously this expectation around um, higher rates impacting long-term growth, which has helped support the long end, coupled with just very aggressive messaging from the Fed and and uh, around around the front end. And um, you know that's been a tough one to fade. You couple that with the fact that you have you have a lot of market participants that have stepped away. You've got a lot of momentum CTA style accounts that are that are really driving things and uh, it's been it's been a one-way train so really it's only in the last 
24 hours that you've started thinking a bit differently around it and you know some of the some of the concerns around what QT actually means and whether or not you know the first order response is is just more of a bare steepening um, and I guess our view is yeah maybe maybe that can play out for for the time being um, but that ultimately it'll you know still lead to flattening and call it the fives thirties part of the curve where you know the belly can maybe continue to get hit as the market digests the thinking around qt but long end should still should still remain supported so um so yeah what i mean canada specifically in that context one you know the 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 curve has lagged that flattening this is a theme that we've been paying you know a lot of attention to where the canadian curve is as you know now looks extremely steep still versus the u.s it's at its steepest levels you know outside of a big move around the GFC, this is you know hovering right around the, the, the steepest levels, and so our original thinking was that it made sense to have gotten to these levels. That you know you had the Fed really changing the messaging a few weeks ago, very aggressive in all their communication, and it wasn't until really a week and a half ago. Uh, when we heard from the Bank of Canada that it was obvious that they were on the same page and that 50s were on the table and that they were, you know, more or less gonna gonna play ball. So that that to us opens up the the possibility for the for the BOC, or for the uh, Canadian curve to 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 catch up a little bit to the flattening in the U.S. And so it's a trade that we still really like. Uh, it can be expressed in a number of different ways, but. You know we're focused on the five ten part of the curve, and and do expect that the Canadian curve can can continue to catch up to the flattening in the U.S. Well, I'm with you on the bank. I think everybody's on board with fifty now. Uh, all all the domestic banks are calling for fifty. The market is eighty percent priced. Uh, as as you mentioned, the bank is is sensitive to creating unwanted volatility after uh, creating significant volatility last year, and so. Uh, a little more predictability there does does suggest fifty. And after the speech from Deputy Governor Kaziki, uh, it seems pretty clear that they're they're willing to go uh, fifty there. And and the Fed's been been beating the drum loudly on that. And the minutes only just reinforced that that uh, they're also ready to go fifty. So the bank going first the before the Fed isn't that big of a deal when the Fed's telegraphed its message and, and it's it's likely fifty basis point rate hike as it has uh, over over the past few weeks or so. Uh, the QT side, I think, is a little more interesting. I, I'm not sure that that's kind of locked in for sure, but I, I do expect them to announce QT at this meeting, uh, and, and and that would start probably just just it, what it would mean is an end of of reinvestment buying. So reinvestment would just end at this point, and uh, the the bank would would stop buying altogether, uh, which would be very welcome. The fact that they're still buying Canada's is, I don't know, somewhat somewhat ludicrous. The impact of all that is is really the question. The impact of QT is the question, and and we got. It's uh, it's it's Wednesday, April sixth at uh, two three thirty. So we, we just got the Fed minutes, and we heard from Brainerd yesterday, and the the message was QT is coming. It's probably coming pretty quick, uh, and and it, it might be a little more aggressive than you think. And and the reaction to that's been been steepening. Uh, the long end's gotten punished, and and this morning or or this afternoon, uh, the front end's actually done a little bit better. And so um, as much as it's it's and and I'm. I still think this, but I'm playing a bit of devil's advocate here. As much as history tells us when the Fed and the bank are tightening, curves continue to flatten, and I, and I do think they will, uh, there, there is a chance that the QT becomes aggressive enough that you get a lot more term premium put into the to tens and longs. 
you do see the curve steepen, and that sell-off prompts the Fed or the bank to back off a little bit from their their uh, aggressive tightening, and then you get the front end actually rallying, and so you get kind of a turbocharged steepener. So I, I think it's it's at least something to consider. Uh, I don't know if I'd call that the base case at this point because there's still, I mean, once we actually get the 50s, the market probably even might might price in even even more because inflation is probably not looking to back off in the near term. But I still think all of this sets up for for a pause eventually from the bank and from the Fed. After they get to neutral, uh, it's still a ways from now. So things can change a lot between now and then. But uh, that that's what makes a lot of sense. And I think until they get to that point, it's really hard for me to see the curve steepen a lot, even if that kind of one scenario that I painted may, means makes it somewhat possible. For now, though, yeah, I, I, I think flatter still uh, going forward. It's just very difficult to... Uh, to see things steepen a lot. But again, QT is is the great unknown. Uh, the Fed has never done it this quickly, this aggressively, and the bank's never done it at all. So we'll see what it brings. One dynamic in all this, and we'll get more information tomorrow on the budget, and, and you kind of hinted on it, but you didn't get there fully, uh, and partially because we, we don't really know, is kind of the issuance profile for, for this fiscal year. Fiscal year starts in Canada on April 1st, so we're already into it, but we don't know what issuance is going to look like for the year yet. And one the one thing we know for sure is there's 180 billion in maturities this year in this fiscal year for Canada, uh, and of those 185, the Bank of Canada owns 85 of those. So there's there that that would be assuming there's no caps on the Bank of Canada's balance sheet runoff, uh, their balance sheet will shrink by 85 billion Canada's this year. And usually when 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 investors have Canada's and they mature, they 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 buy further out the curve. They they uh, reinvest those maturities. But since the Bank of Canada is not doing that. That means $85 billion in, in Canada's need to find a home somewhere. So the, the net supply of Canada's this year is, is going to be probably a record high, depending on how you measure it. But if you account for the fact that the bank's balance sheet shrinkage needs to be absorbed somewhere else, plus the deficit itself, which could be, I mean, it, it'll be tens of billions, how many? 50-ish. The, the, the fiscal update had it closer to 60. Uh, but some, somewhere in that neighborhood seemed reasonable. You, you have a lot of Canada bonds to take down. And so there there are some potentially interesting trade ideas to come out of that. Uh, my my favorite would be swap spreads. And, and we've already seen two-year and five-year swap spreads come down pretty aggressively. Uh, there's probably room to go there in 10-year for sure. And, and uh, maybe maybe the safest way, the lowest, lowest uh, beta way to play this would be uh, swap spread curve flattener, fives, tens. Uh, something like that uh, when we get into kind of the, the low teens or even even around 10 basis points, uh, that that's still an attractive uh, level historically. Uh, and and there there's potentially more to it than that, though. Darren, what, what are your thoughts on swap spreads here? Does my thinking make sense? And, and what flows are we seeing on the swap side? Yeah, I try, try not to overthink it too much. I mean, <clears throat> swap spreads pushed up on QE and I, I, it just makes it, it makes sense that we should probably be drifting drifting a bit lower as this as this as this um you know starts to play out on the QT side. So uh, definitely a bias to be selling swap spreads over over the medium term. Um, I think that the piece you put out on Tuesday, um, put you know trying to frame what some of the numbers could look like tomorrow was was interesting and has been a good sort of uh, conversation starter. I think that. If the numbers you're suggesting are close to realistic, then you know that's gonna that's definitely gonna I think turn some heads. I think that that is potentially uh, a lot of supply that maybe the market isn't 
fully, you know, set up to be taken down. I think that, um, you know, if we're talking about a number that's around 240 and, you know, 85 billion of, of buying is sort of unaccounted for, then, um, yeah, it's to me that suggests pressure on cash and lower swap threats. And so I think that's the way you want to be leaning. I think that, you know, the what's helped to support spreads, we've seen, you know, pretty steady asset, asset swap buying over the over the last while. And um, I guess our feeling is that that has probably topped out for the time being. The needs for banks to be to be swapping assets, we think, is probably topped out uh, for the time being. And so that coupled with the you know the fact that we've seen a material rise higher, uh, that Canada stands out as as relatively cheap versus um, versus the U.S. in certain parts of the curve, and could lead to some received flow from from global macro. All these things, I think, point to um, point to lower spreads over the over the medium term. You know, as far as just trying to think about QT in in the U, in the U.S. versus Canada. Um, you know who, who, and for that to be a potential driver is the, of the Canada-U.S. spread, who will be more aggressive? You'd think, you know, you'd, you'd think it's probably the U.S. without without putting too much thought into it. Um, there's big numbers in the U.S. It is a bigger percentage of GDP, but when you th- when you think about it as a percentage of the overall market, it's lower than in Canada, and so you know that's. It's it's not it's not clear. Uh, we could we could get some messaging from the BOC that does suggest they 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 want to be more more aggressive with with uh, winding things down. So, um, you know, if that's the case, that's probably the one counter argument to being long uh, Canada versus the U.S. here. Uh, otherwise, we we like that trade. I mean, we think that. We think that everything still suggests Canada lags a move to higher higher yields for the time being. It seems like we're gonna we're gonna see that until we at least get through the first the first hike. It seems like there's a bit of a buyer's strike at the moment for good reason. I mean, the market's coming your way if you have cash to invest, and if you're short, been in flatteners like these are these are trades that you are likely happy to sit in <laughs> for the time being. I think that people that are in those trades definitely. Are interested in you know when the turning point is and very and will be very happy to reverse and and try to get steepening on, but it's just not. It it doesn't seem like uh, it doesn't seem like people are at all sort of impatient with with that at the moment. So the the thesis that the Fed is going to kind of crater the economy at the end of the day is what it all comes down to, I think, mm. and, and that that's what keeps that flattening uh, mm. story intact. And and as long as People talk about central banks tightening until something breaks. It's really hard to see the curve steepen out a lot. I think that that that's where that comes back to me wanting to see the the, the central banks, both bank and the Fed, both pause before the curve re-steepens. Uh, and that, that's just not at all what's priced. We're, we're pricing straight line rate hikes from here in Canada to three percent. Like what are we? We're fifty basis points now. We'll be at three percent by April of next year. Um, I mean that that is super aggressive, and and I I have lots of trouble believing that we can withstand that. I think the U.S. can probably take a, a slightly higher rates than in Canada, but here I'm, I'm I'm I think once we get to the peak of the last cycle, 175, you're, you're going to start to the bank should at least want to see how the economy reacts. Uh, housing is is a very vulnerable sector given what's gone on, and, and I've said many times, and on the last podcast I talked about. Home prices going parabolic almost across the country. 
I mean, that that's a real issue and there's there's real downside there. And, and it does the news leaking out here as we speak that uh, the budget's going to have a lot on, on, on housing. And then there's uh, Canada is going to announce a, uh, a ban on foreign purchases of real estate for two years. So, I mean, it appears as though housing will be under pressure beyond just the rate side of things. And so, like, if, unless the bank wants to crater that sector, which there's no way they do since it is the biggest asset for oh so many Canadians, uh, there's there's a limit to how high they want to push rates. And on top of that, there's just, like, the regular the spending side of things. I mean, people have mortgages. Rates are going to go higher. It's going to cost more. There's a, there's a limit to how much money you want to kind of divert away from consumption toward those, those rate hikes. And uh, kind of off back, back of the envelope calculation, uh, about, about 40% of, of debt in Canada uh, is exposed to, to floating rates, uh, and, and I mean that that's not insignificant. That that means the impact will be will be fairly large as as rates move higher, uh, and and so that, something definitely to keep in mind. I think for policymakers, uh, and and just on on the mortgage front, one more thing talked about uh, swap spreads, and and one one counter argument you could put out there on on spreads tightening uh, is is bank mortgage flow. You can make a, I think, a pretty decent argument that mortgages are going to get skewed a little bit back toward fixed versus floating. It's not ironclad, but like as as rates go up, the the discount on on variable rates does variable mortgages does tend to decline a little bit, and and banks will likely push consumers toward the fixed rate as as they actually prior are, are a little more favorable in general, and that means more pay flow, and so that that might be one mitigating factor. But I think at the end of the day, the QT means so much more. And, and as you mentioned, if QE meant spreads widened a ton, then QT should reasonably mean that they fall a ton. Uh, it's just going to take some time for that all that whole thing to play out. Yeah, um, agreed. And I, just picking up on your on your point around the pricing, I mean it's it's fully priced. It's I, th- I think it's it's easy now to explain where we are. I think that the that the there's been no let up in the communication and. And nobody really wants to be stepping in front of it until you get the first the first move. So, can the can the bank deliver two hundred basis points over the next six meetings? I think not. <laughs> you know, I I think that I think that is uh, I think that we're going to find something breaks sooner than than expected. I think that uh, if you look at the past tightening cycle, it was not straight line. It was choppy, and so. I think that I think that front ends are going to settle, and the front end is 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 ultimately going to be a great receive. But you do wait for you do wait for the first move from the BOC, and I think that um, you know ultimately that's you know stepping in ahead of that makes makes little sense. There's nobody there's nobody left really to be to be fading in ahead of that. So, uh, but I do think it'll be a great receive after we get the first move from the uh, from the BOC, and maybe maybe the, maybe the second move. Only I, that what, what they have to back off. So until they back, until they at least hint that they're not going to be as aggressive, then then it's going to be hard to get people in into these trades. Generally, I think like it's not going to look great, and liquidity in the market's still not not ideal, uh, which makes it even more challenging. So uh, it, it will really take off, I guess, once they pause. So yeah, I mean, starting getting in small after the first move makes some sense. Because the signal will come eventually. It may come, it may come sooner than we think. Well, I think the right way to play it is you leave a pay position on in the U.S. and you know you, you, the, the Fed is you know four weeks behind. So 
I think to, be, to have that position on to be receiving Canada after the first BOC meeting, leave on a bit of a pay position in the U.S. is is probably the right way to be to be playing that. That makes good sense. I like that. I guess the time gap between the bank and the Fed is is, uh, is helpful. Uh, that, that that's a, a a good way to play it. All right, Darren. I think that wraps the things up for this week. Uh, usually, I'd ask for your trade idea, uh, but I think we've we've covered it more than enough times. Uh, I mean, getting getting short swap spreads uh, seems seems like the trade we both favor. Uh, am, I, am I correct there? Like that trade, and and do obviously still like the the idea of a of a cat flattener versus the U.S. I think that can I think that can work play out in a number of scenarios. Um, so I, I like that, and uh, yeah, I'm with you on swap spreads, and I do think you you want to be picking spots uh, to receive post BOC. All right, cool. Thanks for coming on this week, and uh, we'll have you on again soon. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening to Views from the North, a Canadian rates and macro podcast. I hope you'll join me again for another episode. This podcast has been prepared with the assistance of employees of Bank of Montreal, BMO Nesbitt Burns Incorporated, and BMO Capital Markets Corporation. Together, BMO, who are involved in fixed income and foreign exchange sales and marketing efforts. Accordingly, it should be considered to be a product of the fixed income and foreign exchange businesses generally, and not a research report that reflects the views of disinterested research analysts. Notwithstanding the foregoing, this podcast should not be construed as an offer or the solicitation of an offer to sell or to buy or subscribe for any particular product or services, including, without limitation, any commodities, securities, or other financial instruments. We are not soliciting any specific action based on this podcast. It is for the general information of our clients. It does not constitute a recommendation or a suggestion that any investment or strategy referenced herein may be suitable for you. It does not take into account the particular investment objectives, financial conditions, or needs of individual clients. Nothing in this podcast constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a representation that any investment or strategy is suitable or appropriate to your unique circumstances, or otherwise it constitutes an opinion or a recommendation to you. BMO is not providing advice regarding the value or advisability of trading in commodity interests, including futures contracts and commodity options, or any other activity which would cause BMO or any of its affiliates to be considered a commodity trading advisor under the U.S. Commodity Exchange Act. BMO is not undertaking to act as a swap advisor to you or in your best interest in you, to the extent applicable, will rely solely on advice from your qualified independent representative in making hedging or trading decisions. This podcast is not to be relied upon in substitution for the exercise of independent judgment. You should conduct your own independent analysis of the matters referred to herein, together with your qualified independent representative, if applicable. BMO assumes no responsibility for verification of the information in this podcast. No representation or warranty is made as to the accuracy or completeness of such information, and BMO accepts no liability whatsoever for any loss arising from any use of or reliance on this podcast. BMO assumes no obligation to correct or update this podcast. This podcast does not contain all information that may be required to evaluate any transaction or matter, and information may be available to BMO and or its affiliates that is not reflected herein. BMO and its affiliates may have positions, long or short, and affect transactions or make markets in securities mentioned herein, or provide advice or loans to, or participate in the underwriting or restructuring of the obligations of, issuers and companies mentioned herein. Moreover, BMO's trading desks may have acted on the basis of the information in this podcast. For further information, please go to bmocm.com slash macrohorizons slash legal.